0: Big, it said, I love Promoville Middle School, and I, going through my head, I'm thinking,
1: is that a real school in 1984? This was just a bold type of horror movie.
2: I can tell where all their budget went, and it's too body fluid streaming on Prime right now, so I suggest you get out there and watch it.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the part in the early going where I'm going to talk a lot because in the later part, I'm not going to be talking very much at all. (laughs) I'll try to say what I got to say and get out. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from madwolf.com, and today we are talking about trauma that I'm not really well-versed in, don't have a lot of love for, but I know a lot of people do, including our two special guests today. So that's good. You guys can have your love fest, and I'll try to throw in a little tidbit here and there we'll see how it goes but you know what went pretty darn well last time where we did we did fright club live we were trying to do it on vimeo which sounded very cool, and in all the testing we were doing, it was very cool. And then right when we were supposed to go live, it crapped out.
3: Yeah, the yeah, the Vimeo server went down right yeah. at 7.30. I don't know if everybody on the world decided they were going to run their Vimeo meeting at 7.30 on that Monday but, well, or Wednesday, but that's what happened.
0: Everybody was trying to get into Fright Club, and oh, it clearly. overloaded. Yeah, yeah. clearly.
3: Yeah. So we, and one of the reasons that we—there are a couple of reasons that we wanted to go the Vimeo route. One is that uh, Gateway Film Center was going to host it, and so— they're going to make it a regular event, which is cool. And then the other thing is that we have a lot of, of fans who who don't like Facebook. and <laughs> They didn't want right. to get on Facebook just to participate. So we want to thank the ones who did anyway, because we did have to end up moving it over to Facebook Live last time. So, you know, folks like DZAC and... Drake Manpower, good to good to have you, Drake Manpower. That
0: was- <laughs> is, is he any relation to Max Power from The Simpsons? I hope so, because if so, I want to party with both those guys.
3: That's right, I know he hangs out with Old Man Spencer. So it was it was cool. I mean, it was really great. How many people did at that last possible second jump over and join us on Facebook Live? So that was very cool. And also, it's just fun. Some of the people that we know who don't ever get to come to the actual live Gateway events, it's it's cool. Like Jenny, for example, is going to join us today, and also Sicily. It's always cool to have Sicily you know, around. She's out of Cincinnati, so she doesn't get to come to the live events much. So that's always fun.
0: And one of the fun, most fun things about Facebook Live is you get to see the the comments come up fast and furious. In fact, it's hard to keep up. And what you go back later and, oh, I missed that great comment. But there were some some great comments to call out. The sackhead Jason, from Friday the 13th, part two, is scarier than the hockey mask. Jason from uh, episode three onward, although the hockey mask is a more iconic image. Monty and Mox pointed this out and Agree with that. You like oh, yeah, to say the, yeah.
3: Totally agree with that. He's, he's so much creepier with that one eye sack over his head. And as you pointed out, I think they they got away from that because Elephant Man.
0: That was one of the reasons. Yeah, and plus they were looking for just a new a new angle uh, because the the storytelling was pretty much the same old thing every time. Yeah. Also, oh, and uh, also love to Michael Anthony. Who Michael Anthony Carroll, who is a fright clubber, and he brought up Motel Hell, which you're never, never uh, having a problem with anyone bring
3: that up. That's right. I was kind of sorry that, because it wouldn't have made the, the the core list, but definitely it should have been in the sort of subcategory with the Leatherface group, and and so yeah, and I love I love that movie so much. I was glad that we got a chance to talk about it. I do want to correct something because when we were talking about the hockey mask, I pointed out that the same year. A different horror film used a hockey mask for one of its killers. And I said, I called it, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which is, of course, wrong. That was that Goosebumps movie from last year. I meant Alone in the Dark, the Martin Landau quote classic. So you misspoke.
0: I did misspoke. All right. Well, we'll forgive you. All right. So that was a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to fun this time as we talk about trauma. And uh, to do that... We have not one, but two, count them, two special guests. And both have been on before several
3: times. Have have we had them on together before? No, we have meant to, and then it just didn't pan out. So we stole Jenny from dave's podcast the last time so now we homaged her as you recall
0: was that the time i forgot that adapter we had to go back and and was that that time it's always my fault right so we finally got our act (laughs) together we got our act together and we got him here to join the party line so welcome first of all jen dreadful hey
2: hi it's great to be
0: back well we're glad to have you and also phantom dark dave is on the line as well welcome
1: what's up guys how's it going
0: it's going well. It's about to go badly for me because uh, you guys are going to take up. No, I keep. I keep saying that. That's totally fine because I know. You know, we're talking about trauma today, and uh, it has the the trauma studios. The whole trauma thing has a huge block of fans. I just don't happen to be one of them, and that's all right. Mm-hmm. You guys can talk about it. But I did. This is so funny. Very, very timely. I was driving yesterday and um, on the highway, and a car passed me, and I just happened to look at the bumper sticker. Because I always look at people's license plates for some reason to see vanity plates and things. I look at bumper stickers. Anyway, real big. It said, I love Tromaville Middle School. And I, going through my head, I'm thinking... Is that a real school? Is, or is that just what we're going to talk about? And then I also see the guy has a Dio sticker on his window. And I'm like, no, I think this is probably about the movie.
3: And Dave, what did you say? What's your bumper sticker?
1: Oh, I actually have the I Love
3: Tromaville High School.
0: Okay. So we've got the whole curriculum covered. <laughs> so he's a fan. Hopefully he can check this out. You know, I, I didn't follow him or anything and say, hey, man, listen to the podcast. Maybe I should have. Or uh, maybe I'm glad I didn't because I'm still here alive today. So um, that was kind of a timely push in the direction to get me ready for this podcast. So um, actually, tro- you know, I will give Troma Entertainment a lot of props because anytime you can build a brand that becomes not just the name of your brand, but an adjective where someone says Troma and you immediately know what that means in terms of filmmaking. I do give props to that, even though I'm not the biggest fan. They've built quite a brand.
3: They really have. And you know what's funny is that they also, so they make films. Lloyd Kaufman directs a lot of films, co-writes a lot of films. But they have distributed a lot of films as well. And, and most of them definitely fit the brand. But one of the things I find hilarious is that Troma distributed My Dinner with Andre. So that does not fit the brand.
0: No, that is. That is a little bit shocking. But also, they have a very impressive list of people who have come up through the ranks. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton. J.J. Abrams, Samuel L. Jackson, Kevin Costner, Carmen Electra, Vanna White, Paul Sorvino, James Gunn. I mean, they've got a lot of alumni there, which is impressive.
3: Well, that's a big one, right? James Gunn. And his brother um, has starred in some of the films as well. And uh, James Gunn, um, you know, wrote... Or co-wrote with with Kaufman and of course Shakespeare, Tromeo and Juliet*. But then also in his uh, his big feature debut *Slither*, which we love. Not only does it have a sort of a trauma feel about it, but the the woman, you know, when he looks in the window of the woman who's going to end up being so very hungry in a few minutes, she's watching *Toxic Avenger* with her toddler.
0: Nice. So, <laughs> so we've got with uh, Jenny and Dave here. Uh, we've got they have a list of their top five right traumas, and you have yours. And the cool thing is, we have a lot of overlap until we get to the top.
3: That's right. So each of us has our own number one. Jenny has a number one. Dave has a number one. And we, which means, you know, a lot of times you joke that you don't get to participate, but you, you had no participation in this one at all. <laughs> None at all. Um, and because, you know, I've pointed out before that uh, the George loves horror movies. He does. But he, he has no ironic sense of enjoyment for anything. So he doesn't ever watch something that's terrible and still love it, which means he's just not a candidate for the uh, trauma canon
0: you know, if you want me to have no contribution here, why don't you edit this thing when we're done? How about that? <laughs> I got, I'm got i useful for something. Um, no, it's going to be fun, and I'm glad to have uh, Jenny and Dave here to talk about it. So you want to just start off? Well, what we'll do is we'll start off with, with where it is in our list, and then they can say where it is in their list, and you guys can discuss, and I'll go have a bite.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: So we'll start off at number five on our list, and this is zombie-fied chickens. You had me. Attempt to kill the fast food workers that cooked them in a restaurant built on an ancient burial ground. Of course, it's an ancient burial ground from 2006 Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. I know
3: it's fattening, but I love the skin.
1: So it's everything you love about Poltergeist, just minus Spielberg, Toby Hooper, and instead toss in Lloyd Kaufman, make it a musical, and just get extremely perverse. And I have to say, Jason Ushanan is the only person that could have played RV.
3: <laughs> you know, it's a weird thing. The movie that this reminds me the most of is actually Better Off Dead because of the scene. Um, Better Off Dead in the fast food joint with like the where they play Van Halen and they've got these claymation foodstuffs. Not that. I mean, that's so wholesome compared to this, but it's just it's a fun idea to to keep everything so contained inside what we all know is just the nastiest environment for food ever, no matter how often we eat there.
1: I remember there was so much discussion and excitement for when this film had came out, because a lot of us thought that they were going to bring back the restaurant used in Toxic Avenger. But in fact, that wasn't the case. This was just a shutdown McDonald's.
3: Exactly. Right. I think I mean it's it's one of their more recent films. And a, I mean, 2006, so, but in a lot of their films, they do a lot of callbacks to their other movies. And, and it's been a couple of years since I've seen this, but I don't, I mean, I think that I was expecting to see a lot of nods to, especially maybe Toxic Avenger, but you don't really see a lot in this one.
1: You don't. It kind of stands on its own unless you, there's like subtle references, kind of like you mentioned. But uh, one thing that's really cool is you can definitely tell that out of a lot of them, this one had the bigger budget. <laughs>
3: Which is funny. <laughs> You know what? I
2: actually um, I rewatched this just this morning just because just to get in mood, you know, <laughs> the trauma mood and uh, trauma movies are mostly known sometimes for being just absolutely ludicrous. And this is no exception. I can tell where all their budget went. And it's to body fluid. I mean, there <laughs> there is every color of the rainbow of body fluid. And it was, uh, you know, uh, I'm expecting a baby myself. So this is this wasn't easy to watch this time around.
3: (laughs) No, I was thinking when you said that, like just to go along with your morning sickness. uh, This is a good (laughs) a good choice. Yeah, because it definitely I think I mean, it's got all the regular trauma, you know, whatnot, all of the orifice fixations that you're going to find in other ones. But because it's so food oriented, I think it makes you queasier.
0: And remember, too, Jenny, if you're if you're needing inspiration for, for baby names, all the lead characters here were named after fast food restaurants. You got Arby, oh Wendy, God. Mickey, Denny, Carl Jr., and Paco Bell.
2: <laughs> Don't forget, no, there's there's also um the girl at the end her name is uh, Hummus. They That's actually right. just named her Hummus.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, this was our number five. So where'd it land for you guys? This
1: was our number
3: three.
0: Now, was this one actually on an ancient Indian burial ground, or was that a, an urban legend as well?
3: <laughs> no, it really was, and that was a big part of the problem. And uh, you know, and it's funny. The, the The movie does a great job of sending up poltergeist and just any other kind of, you know, horror movie trope. I mean, that's mainly what it pokes fun at and also sort of, I mean, as trauma tends to do, it's sort of a PC culture. But it's also, I think, a little, I think, a little savvier than some of their other movies, where their other movies are just sort of, how gross can we be with this Particu- I mean, it's Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead is gross. It's a gross movie. So maybe it's hard to find, or maybe I'm trying too hard to find like intelligence to it, but it felt a little bit more intentionally put together as a film to me.
0: Okay. Let's move on to our next one. This is number four on our trauma list. Tromeo, a filmmaker falls in love with Juliet, the daughter of a former partner who tried to steal his business from him. From 1996, Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> Shall we gather at the river
1: where bright angels meet with the
3: crystal tide forever that flows to the throne of God?
2: So, Tromeo and Juliet has a really special place in my heart. This one is one that I can just throw on anytime. I love it. (laughs) I think it's a beautiful underlying, you know, Romeo and Juliet story, but with so many hilarious twists. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm personally a huge uh, Will Keenan fan and he plays one of the, the leads in this one. Um, it's just it's just so much fun.
3: It is a great one. Uh, so it starts off with Lemmy. And I think that every movie should start off with Lemmy. I mean, you can't now, but and it actually does stay really fairly true to the storyline of of. Romeo and Juliet and this is the one that James Gunn co-wrote so it's and and legend has it he got 150 bucks yeah uh, well I, that's probably pretty well paid for a trauma movie <laughs> <laughs> but I think that maybe because of that I mean it's stupid and gross definitely 100% but I just feel like it, it it's not they're not as many body fluids it's not they're not as as orifice fixated it's not as sort of you know it's gross it's definitely gross but it goes gross in different ways that To me, just somehow feel I hate to use the word fresh with trauma, but it it does somehow feel a little bit um, smarter in its in its sort of gross humor. To me, anyway, I always really liked this one.
1: I completely agree. I mean, when it comes to trauma, you have to have something kind of gross related. But this movie is definitely story driven versus some of the other ones. But I mean, it's got everything from incest to psycho butchers and mad cows and still, like Ginny says, has a romantic love
0: story. And it's funny, Hope, you talk about this staying pretty true to the Shakespeare. Apparently, James Gunn, when he was writing it, tried to stay in iambic pentameter, and then just, no way, but uh, he told the the studios, he told Lord Kaufman that it is, and just went with that, and he didn't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a funny movie. It's gross, you know, and it's it's dumb in a lot of ways. And this is one Sammy Capula, which is a very funny character that is uh, is played by um, Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn's brother, who looks just like him anyway, so it is a, but it's a, he's, he's a funny character. I do think this is more character-driven than a lot of their, their other movies, which is just... The, the other movies tend to be a spectacle, and this one, you know, they, they do. They have characters and this tenderness among the characters. I mean, it's weird to say that, especially anybody who maybe has only seen Tromeo and Juliet and hasn't seen the other Troma movies, they're like, oh, there's tenderness here? But there is. Take my word for it. <laughs>
1: Well, anything that has Debbie Rashawn or Tiffany Sheppes involved, I'm there.
3: Yeah, Debbie Rashawn is great. And she's somebody who who um, pops up so often in trauma movies that it's fun to see her in one, you know, because, you know, there are so many trauma movies that really nobody's ever seen. So it's fun to see her in one that is famous, that people have seen, that, you know, has kind of stood the test of time as far as that that canon goes. But she's great in this.
0: Okay, so that was number four on Hope's list. What about you? Where did Where did Tromeo and Juliet fall for you guys?
3: It was also number four on our list.
0: All right. So <laughs> great minds thinking alike here. Okay, so let's go up to number three for Hope's Troma Love, and this is Tromaville has a new monstrous hero, the Toxic Avenger, born when meek mop boy Melvin falls into a vat of toxic waste. Now, evildoers will have a lot to lose. From 1984, the Toxic Avenger... <laughs> Tromaville, New Jersey, 1984. Melvin Junko, a mop-wielding health club janitor. A scrawny, skinny, weakling wimp of a nerd. Fell into a misplaced barrel of toxic chemical waste. Avenger, the first superhero from New Jersey.
3: This is clearly this is the most famous of all the trauma films, you know, and Toxie is sort of the branding for the entire studio. And, And it is a really, you know, it's just a super fun, memorable underdog story, and I know these guys have it at number five and we have it at number three. And I think uh, for people who are tuning in, who are just maybe just peripherally aware of trauma, they might be confused that this isn't everybody's number one because it's clearly the most popular and the most famous of the trauma movies. But the truth is that in later years, filmmakers kind of Embraced what Trauma was selling, but but brought to it um, maybe better cinematic skills, and so this was a, a pretty 1984. It's a pretty early Trauma film. It's made on no dollars, and the special effects are ridiculous, and the acting, of course, forget it. But it is really memorable because of the underdog story and because Toxy is such an endearing sort of Frankenstein monster.
2: Um, I think it's great. I think this is actually a really good movie if you're new to Trauma. Um, you know, like you said, it was the, it is the most known. So if you're gonna watch a trauma movie and you don't have any idea, this is a great place to start. He's the most known character and who doesn't love an underdog superhero movie as strange as this superhero is, but it's an awesome movie. It's just a lot of fun, especially if you watch it with friends. Oh my gosh, it's just ridiculous.
1: It's crazy to know that the movie has been around for about 35 years and knowing that it's still considered their most successful film. And I think that the reason is because in 1984, this was just a bold type of horror movie.
3: Yeah, I think that's actually that's that's really, really true in the early to mid 80s slashers and very slick Even though a lot of them were still really uh, low budget or relatively low budget, they were slick. They were they were formulaic. People knew what to expect. And then out of nowhere came this sloppy mess of a movie that people just immediately loved. And I think you're right, Dave. I mean, it it just was so different from what everybody else was putting out in the early to mid 80s, which was an incredibly popular time for horror movies. So and it, it was certainly not the first thing that that trauma had done. They made some movies you know, in the late 70s and early 80s that were, I think, a lot less likable. Mother's Day is one, for example, that I fucking hate. And it's funny because it's like, it's as if Mother's Day can't decide if it's being a comedy or if it's not being a comedy. And it's that part of it that I find makes the film so hateful that they can't decide whether... This behavior is or is not funny. So for me, even though Toxic Adventure is a much simpler tale, the fact that, I mean, they nail the tone right off the bat and they, you know what you're in for and you're just in for a very sloppy, messy, disgusting, funny, good time.
1: Well, if you guys ever decided to do a top five worst trauma films, I think you already gave away your number one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On this one, though, Hope, if we ever if uh, Marissa Tomei ever gets nominated for another Oscar, We've got this skeleton in the closet right here because she's, she's an extra in this. Nice! <laughs> so the Toxic Avenger, our number three, and that's number five for Dark Dave and Jen Dreadful. So getting close to the top here, moving up to number two on Hope's trauma list. This is a murderer, a priest, and a delinquent trying to bring down a father-killing madman from 2011, Father's Day. I hurt a lot of people in my life, Father. I don't want to hurt anybody.
2: I prayed every night that you would come and find me, but you never did.
0: I don't want you putting your life on the line over some stupid vendetta. The Father's Day killer.
2: Why not? You did. And I'm gonna finish what you couldn't.
1: Ah! Let's take this place apart!
0: End this tonight. It says that he that sees but one path shall stand in the way of the fuckmanicus
1: no time to explain oh glory to the Happy father's day so yeah like george said i mean we got three main guys who are completely diverse in characters but they're all bonded together for one reason and that's to kill chris fuckman aka the father's day killer and jenny and i actually had covered this last year and did a full deep dive into it and Just when you thought you've kind of seen it all, this is the movie that takes you a little bit further and might even be top of the list for some of the most obscene and grotesque murders on film.
3: Yeah, it's nasty. It's super nasty. But this is one of the ones that I was talking about earlier is so it's it's like a second generation, a second wave of filmmakers who really obviously came up on trauma horror and embraced it but in a way that is I think simultaneously just as shocking, just as envelope pushing as anything trauma ever did, but really really very smart. The same group of filmmakers. I think people some people are familiar with their Divorced Dad series which is hilarious. It's a bunch of shorts. But then the one I loved was their 2014 film called The Editor, uh, which is a little bit like this. It's this sort of, you know, it's gross and silly and ridiculous, but it's, it's like a play on Italian horror movies. So it pokes fun at everything that drives me crazy about Italian horror movies. And it's, but it's really, really smart. And I saw that one first. So uh, Father's Day, I was like, oh, good. It's those same people. And I was like, damn, this is nasty. <laughs>
2: It was really really nasty. I actually liked the way it was shot though. It was a very um like grindhousey feel to it and uh you can tell if you'll be able to make it through this movie just from the first scene. Because that <laughs> first uh, I mean that first opening scene. If you can't get through it, you're not getting through this movie because it's it's just grotesque.
3: Yeah, it is. Oh my God. It's just I mean, everything about this movie is so gross. And in a, you know, I'm gonna say mainly in a good way. You know, it's not like it was just stupid. It's clear it was all very thought out and sometimes really wrong-headedly funny. And the the one I'm thinking, there are so many instances that really probably shouldn't even be repeated, but the one I'm thinking of is when she's, he's trying to convince his sister that no, no, he no, no, they're button fly, actually. I laughed out loud. It was just like <laughs> such a funny aside. <laughs> so that's our number two Father's Day.
0: Where's that fall for you guys? That
1: is also our number two.
0: All right. All right. Well, you know, before we get to... Number one, why don't we just just? How did all you guys get into these movies? What was your introduction, and how did you start liking them? I'll go first. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Hope, go ahead.
3: Um, I think the first one I saw was Class of Newcom High, which I, you know, I, I thought was stupid and fun, and uh, you know, at the time, I I spent a lot of time back then watching, really pretty bad horror movies. It was just something that my my friend Jenny likes and I like to do, and my my sister. We just like to watch bad, really bad horror movies. And I think it was her brother who was like, oh, you want a bad movie, and then gave that one to us. Which, to be honest, I think we were all like, this might be too bad? Like, but it still made us interested. And then uh, the next one, and definitely the next one I saw was Toxic Avenger, and then I was just sold. And there are some, you know, I mean, there's a, an, an enormous output uh, of trauma films, most of which, in looking it back over and preparing for this, most of them I have not seen. And some of them, the ones that over the years that they've distributed, like Bloodsucking Freaks, I don't like that movie, actually. The last horror film, though, I think people are familiar with that one. You wouldn't think of that as a trauma film. But um, I remember loving the first time I saw Chopper Chicks in Zombietown, which is the one that Billy Bob Thornton is in. Also, Martha Quinn, by the way. And that one, now in, in revisiting, I think is almost too, like, tongue-in-cheek, self-referential. Like, it's not the hardcore, body-fluid, crazy, cascade of grossness that is, I think, of the best of the trauma movies.
0: Okay. Jenny, how about you?
2: Well, my grandparents used to watch me a lot when I was very little. And God bless them, they couldn't keep an eye on me all the time. So uh, I had the TV all to myself. (laughs) And I would just watch things that I wasn't supposed to watch. Uh, I believe my first... Troma movie was like uh, the first turn on um, who actually Vincent D'Onofrio does a, a little part in that one. And, you know, keeping my finger on the remote just in case someone were to come around that corner at any time, I could just change it. And oh, no, I'm watching a cartoons or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tough then, one. Yeah. That'd
3: be a tough one to explain to your grandma.
2: <laughs> uh, it really, it really, really would. God bless them. So.
1: <laughs> Dave? I discovered Troma by a VHS that I acquired through a bet. And it was not a trauma movie, but it was the Weekend of Horrors Fangoria Convention from the 80s, and I had never been to a convention before. So this tape was like gold to me, and in this movie, being from the 80s, they were heavily promoting something I had never heard of called the Toxic Avenger. And so it was this Fangoria VHS tape that I consistently watched and I learned everything about what trauma was and luckily with the creation of DVDs and streaming trauma became a lot more accessible to where I was able to track down that Toxic Avenger movie finally and watch it and like hope said it would that that's all it took.
0: And a love was born. All right, it's our it's the Fry Club salute to Trauma Entertainment. The independent film production and distribution company founded by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers in 1974. So we've got to the top. All right, so we've gotten to number one, and we all have a different one. So, uh, Jenny, what's at the top of your trauma list?
2: The top of my list is uh, Terror Firmer. Look, I am the director. I've been directing 10 cent movies for 30 years, and I think I know a little bit about what I'm doing. It's a horrible world. There's starvation,
0: dismemberment, torture, rape, cornholing. It's horrible out there. But it's worse.
3: It's worse here in the movie set. It's much worse we have danger and stupidity. Ah. I don't want somebody dying on my set. If someone dies here, I'll blow my
0: brains out. It'll be your fault. My career will be over. It'll be your fault. Terror Farmer.
2: Now let's make some art another Will Keenan movie and it's um oh my gosh it's just hilarious i think it it one of the facts of it was that uh it brought forth one of the first hermaphrodite serial killers uh to be put in the, on screen so if you can imagine that you know that it's just a great time <laughs> it also has a um some ron jeremy um uh, you know he plays a big part in that and it gave birth to one of the most disturbing scenes i've ever seen Will Keenan singing to Ron Jeremy you know when he's like locked up in a cage and he's singing Amazing Grace to him it's just I I mean if you there's no way to really describe this movie you just have to see it it's streaming on Prime right now so I suggest you get out there and watch it
0: no (laughs) <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> all right no it sounds enchanting that is number one on jen dreadful's list all right dave what do you got
1: all right and just to comment on what jenny said everything 100 but you'll never think of pickles the same way again i just want to say that but my number one is um it's a stupid movie that hope mentioned called class of newcomb high from 1986
0: welcome to tromaville high an average American high school. With one exception. It's located only one mile away from a nuclear power plant. They said it was 100% safe. But they were wrong. There's no danger, Governor. We have the situation well in hand.
1: the class of Newcomb High. Rated R. I love this movie to death. This is my Toxic Avenger, the way that everyone else feels about Toxic Avenger. I mean, it combines the 80s with horror. I love the setting. I love the characters. I love the music. It's exactly the practical effects I look for in a horror film. And while some people are out there watching Grease and rooting for the T-Birds, I'm watching class in Newcomb High and I'm rooting for the Cretans.
3: <laughs> That's funny though. That's a great comparison with Greece. I mean, I think that uh you I think that you could say I mean it reminds me of a, several other movies from around the same time, which I think is, you know, intentional. It's one of those very high school based, you know, clicks and, and so I think the Greece comparison is just perfect.
0: All right, so we'll get up to our number one. This is actually the only one of any of these that I have seen. So it's it's our number one, but strangely. Hasn't made a Jen or Dave's list, so you guys can hash that out. It's from 1996 in a hotel called Quickie. A professor blackmails a student into having sex with him, but when the professor puts on a condom, they are suddenly interrupted by the attack of a killer condom. Something horrible is invading New York. Something terrifying. <sighs> Something you've never seen before. In a world where safe sex is deadly, it's the killer condom, the rubber that rubs you out. It's from trauma, of course. I do remember watching this, and it was interesting to me for a little while, but then it just got old pretty quickly.
3: I love this movie, I really do, and we this is the second time it's made one of our lists because we did a countdown on sex and death and uh and this was clearly a part of that list as well because and I mean one of my favorite things and i 'm sure it isn't true. I feel confident that Geiger had nothing to do with this, but h r. Geiger is credited as an artistic consultant in the creation of the munching toothy. Condoms, but there's so much about this movie that I absolutely love for one thing, the just the tagline, the rubber that rubs you out and the whole movie is so I find hysterical because I think it's a German movie, it's definitely for a foreign movie. I think it's a German movie, and uh they're sending up sort of a noir film, like a private investigator movie, and it's set in New York, though it is clearly not set in New York, and they have like cowboys who are like drove over from Iowa. Not that Iowa is known for cowboys or is really driving. I mean, there's so many things about this movie are so geographically inaccurate that it just adds to the hilarity. Plus, I mean, they do it on purpose. Luigi macaroni is the name of the Italian American who's played by a German. I mean, (laughs) and that's the name of the private investigator. I just think the whole movie is hysterical.
2: Have you guys seen this one? I've never seen this one until uh, last night. (laughs) So that was my first night seeing it. And, um, you know, just just like you said, I noticed that there were things like, wait, isn't this supposed to be set in New York? So why is it completely in German? And (laughs) and I just thought it was so hilarious because I had never heard the word condom in a movie so much in my life. (laughs) And I think the word is the same kind of in English And in German, except for they'll be like, condom, you know, condom. And I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God. And it just made it so funny to listen to what they were saying.
0: This is set in New York like Jason Takes Manhattan is set in New York, I guess.
1: (laughs) If there was ever a horror movie that tried to promote not having safe sex, this is definitely it.
0: The rubber that rubs you out, though. That's good.
2: (laughs) I'm hoping that there weren't men out there that actually used this movie as an excuse not to use protection.
3: (laughs) But you can see how it can make you a little nervous about putting one on. I mean, I got to give them that. And it does, you know, I mean, they do a pretty good job of making it look like a (laughs) mouth. Geiger, he's a genius.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the top of his resume, the alien monster and the killer condom. (laughs) All right, so topping the list, killer condom on our salute to trauma. Uh topping our list anyway, not so much for Jen and Dave. Theirs was terror firmer. All right. That bo- okay, sorry. That's topping our list, but for Jen it was terror firmer and Dave class of Newcomb High. So it's it's the salute to trauma and you guys have been great to come on uh for the insight that I could not provide. And uh, so uh, before we let you go, uh, Jen, where can we find you on social media? What else are you working on besides that baby?
2: <laughs> you know what? That's really all I got time for these days is just, <laughs> you know, baking up a baby. But if you want to find me, if you want to talk movies, I'm always on Twitter uh, at Jen Dreadful. Um, I would like to give a, a quick shout out to uh, Jamie Ray. Thank you so much for the baby onesies that you sent me. That was so sweet. And to you also, Hope and George, for the onesies. Um, obviously, every, no, everybody knows I love horror, and they were just so cute. And you know, in times like this, it was nice to get a little package in the mail. Kind of brightens your day.
0: Oh well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, best wishes on the uh, on the on the rest of your term, and and, and for uh, a great new edition. Thank you. Dave, what about you? What are you working on? Where can we find you?
1: So a lot has changed, you know, since the last time I had come on the show. I couldn't believe it's been so long. But as listeners may know, uh, Dave's Pop Culture podcast had officially shut down. I had so much stuff that I was dealing with last year that I just had to focus on it. And so that show came to a close. And the birth of this year, I started kind of a new show to kind of get my feet wet again, where I talk about horror and sci-fi. And you know what? Being that this is Jenny and Mai's favorite podcast, we waited to make a special announcement till right now.
3: Oh, oh. that's so sweet.
1: If you guys don't mind, I would like to say that we are teaming back up together to head to Tromaville because starting this summer, we are going to be reviewing trauma Films on occasion.
3: Yay! Yay. Yay.
1: (laughs) Well, we feel
0: honored to break that news.
3: We do. And so, Dave, you do most of your stuff now is on YouTube, right? Where can people find you on YouTube? So I do two things, right? Like the YouTube thing is kind
1: of where the old podcast transcended to. And it's something where myself, Ed the Undead, and Neil, who does uh, Neil Fraser graphics on Twitter, that's where we kind of spend our time doing geeky things like comic books and cartoons. So if you go to YouTube and just type up "Days Pop Culture Podcast YouTube edition, something like that, you'll find it. But There's a podcast called The Podcast from Another World that I host that is now opening to all horror and science fiction because, let's face it, Tromaville is kind of from another world.
0: (laughs) Well, that is awesome. A lot going on. We look forward to that. And right here on the Fright Club podcast, we are going to be joined by an author of an outstanding new true crime horror novel from Grindhouse Press. Sam Kolesnik is going to be joining us.
3: Yeah, and you know, she also, uh, she's j- she just started her own publishing company as well, Off Limits Press, and she's going to come on and talk with us about grief in horror movies. But between now and then, for our next live event, which will be probably on Vimeo, but we hope, <laughs> who knows, we're actually going to take a poll uh, because we couldn't decide which one we wanted to do. So we're going to, you, you'll find the poll online. You can vote and we're going to press Jenny and Dave to pick right now. Um, at, Right, sorry, at Fright Club Pod. We want to do either Best Jump Scares in Horror, Babysitters, or Greek Life, so fraternities and sororities. So, guys, what's your pick? I choose Jump
1: Scares. I'm going to offset and say Babysitters.
3: Okay. All right. Well, we'll put the poll up on
0: our Twitter page, at Fright Club Pod, and see what comes of that. But I think they're they're all solid. They're all good. There can be some good stuff there, so... All right, very very cool. You guys, Jen Dreadful, Phantom Dark Dave, we thank you so much. It, it was it really actually was a lot of fun. I learned a lot.
3: <laughs> Aww, well, thank you. I'm glad that you'd stuck it out with us. And yeah, thank you guys so much because again, this has been on our list our, you know, our long never ending list for like five years. And I just thought, well, we're never going to do it because I couldn't make George sit through five of these movies. There was no way our marriage was going to survive it. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us on this. And I'm excited to listen when you guys start talking about it on your podcast.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us back. It's been so much fun.
3: Yep, and I second that.
1: Thanks for uh, letting me come back and talk about something that wasn't old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we already mentioned— And I have to say,
1: at some point, I want to let let George pick the topic, because I think so far, he hasn't been a big fan of any of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I like
0: some of those Vincent Prices. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we already mentioned we can find us on Twitter. That's Fright Club Pod. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find our written reviews of all the movies and our other weekly our podcast about all the new releases right now, strictly for home video, uh, the Screening Room podcast. You can find that all at madwolf.com. So until next time, thanks again to Jen Dreadful. Thanks again to Phantom Dark Dave. And uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay prideful, my friends. My friend.